Hello everyone and welcome to the Queer Romance Reader Discord server. Today we will be chatting about Hunger Pains True Love Bites by Joy Demora. Just a reminder that Joy will not be joining us and this will be a chat between Ella and me. My name is Alicia and I'm one of the server mods. And I'm Ella, the other server mo moderator. Just a reminder to everyone that we will be discussing this book in full detail and that would include spoilers. So I would recommend reading the book before listening to this. Um, also a tip to the readers, if you like to avoid spoilers, it would be better to wait on the short story Cruel Intentions until after book two is released. Um, I think that's cut at the end of the first book, but yeah, just save that for when the second book's out. No, it's actually, I think it's its own separate thing, but it was part of this other anthology as well. But anyway, it's oh, up there I, after. So I got it at the end of, um, of my ebook edition. Oh, really? Maybe it's in line too. Okay, anyway, moving on. Um, whether you have it or not, just maybe wait or maybe don't wait. I didn't wait. I like the short story. Anyway, so Hunger Pains is what we're here to discuss today. And this is a polyamorous love story between Vlad, who's a vampire, Nathan, who's a werewolf, and Ursula, who's a fae. So Ursula is on a mission to save the ancestral trees that are scattered all around the world from this unknown blight that's killing them. She's traveling with her companion, who's a werebear, in search of a tree that still lives. In the meantime, Nathan has returned from war, where he is suffering from silver poisoning and has lost the ability to shift into a wolf. He takes a job as the captain of the guard at Eyrie, an island known to be full of rain and vampires and is Vlad's home. So Vlad is an inventor, a radical and a vampire. He runs the island which he is determined to rebuild while introducing free education and healthcare. He lives with his little sister Rhea and his stepmother Marguerite and his on and off again fiance Elizabeth. And so Ella, how did you find hunger pains? So I first found it through Joy um, and I found her through her infamous uh, nipple crucifixion Tumblr post, which if you guys have not read that, I highly recommend you do so right now because it's one of the funniest things I've read. Um, and then I stayed on her blog for her chronic illness posts. Uh, I have a sister who's got chronic illness and reading Joy's post was always so helpful. And then I knew she was writing a vampire romance for a while through that blog. And I love vampires, love romance, and I was really excited to read it when it was released. So, how did you find her? I also found her through her Tumblr. I'm like religiously on Tumblr. And there was just like how you come across everyone's posts, but then I, I just, I looked through her blog and then I also saw the crucifix mail in that post, which I just linked in Spotlight Discussions for anyone who hasn't read it yet. And then I, at the same time, I think I also saw her talking about hunger pains. And that's when I started following her because I wanted to know when the book would be released. Because there are a few things that can get me to read any book. And Polly is one of them. So what did you like about hunger pains, Ella? This is a thing that we both like. But yeah, it was the disability rep and the poly rep. I think you have a story about how it got published yeah i actually tried looking through the her tumblr backlog for this but i could not find it but you know tumblr's search function isn't exactly great 
But also, I could be making this up. So apologies in advance if I did get something <laughs> wrong um, or completely wrong. And I just like had a very vivid hallucination of this. So if I remember correctly, Joy tried to go through the publisher she used to work for, and they refused to publish Hunger Pings unless like she took out Nathan's disability, so or made it less of a disability. And rather than do that, she went the self-publishing route. And I like have mad respect for her for that because I think it's hard when you're working with a publisher to try to argue with them or to try to like go your own way in order to keep the vision of what you have in your mind and we also really don't have enough disability representation in media that's good especially not disability written by someone who's going like who has a disability so and and also not a disabled character who's presented as a love interest and so i just i really liked everything she did especially in regards to nathan's arc yeah i really i really love the the disabled stuff in with Nathan and it, rereading it, I just loved it so much. Like his, I think what really struck me was his relief at finding a doctor who actually believes him when he says that there's something wrong with him, that there's still some silver in his wound that is, I mean, it was killing him. And the fact that like his old doctors just completely ignored him, I was like, no, we got it all out, you're totally fine, uh, just like go away so we don't have to deal with you. And it just reminds me so much of how you know, people with chronic illness often have to wait so long for a correct diagnosis or they're misdiagnosed. I know um, with my sister's condition, chronic fatigue syndrome, um, often people are diagnosed with like, hysteria for it or they're just completely ignored. So, yeah. And um, there was a bit where uh, the doctor who treats him was talking about how there's no real research done on how like silver affects supernaturals because silver doesn't kill humans so there's just no research to it and again that just reminded me of how it's a big thing about in women's health where they don't do any research on you know our dominant issues that women often have and when you kind of you see the comparison of like kind of women's health issues and how under-researched it is compared to like something um like erectile dysfunction it just kind of drives you insane I think instead of going a whole rant about that, I would recommend reading Invisible Women um, and Inferior by... Do you want to try linking the Goodreads for those books? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have a lot of really good points about, like, just health issues and chronic health issues. And like, I think this book does a lot of really great social commentary. But I also thought it was, like, really, really great about how um, the doctor, quote-unquote, at Harry was a necromancer. <laughs> I just thought that was a really nice detail thrown in. But yeah, there's like a lot of problems with the healthcare industry. So much that we don't have time to talk about because this is ultimately a podcast about books and not <laughs> everything wrong with our society, which is so much. Yeah, but it's and one of those issues think- that's always close to my heart. So I always, I will go on massive rants. But yeah, just seeing it. Yeah, it's like I I get you, and I'm really sorry your sister is going through that. It sounds really hard. Oh, yeah, see. I mean, it. Yeah, worse on her. It's always that's why I really enjoyed um Joy's Tumblr post about them 
you know, this is always such a helpful resource. Yeah, and I think that it's not, I'm not sure if it's canon that Vod has ADHD, I don't remember. Um, but I also remember some Tumblr posts about this, and I think it was like really great how she just wrote, even if it's not canon, there was still a character who has like, who ADHD people could really relate to, which I think is really great because I feel like the last time I saw a character with ADHD, it was probably like Percy Jackson. Yeah, I, I enjoyed how he's just kind of always in the middle of a hundred different projects. I like how um he's been meaning to like finish his bedroom that he started painting for about like 200 years, but then he ran out of a certain shade of blue and then they start making it and he's just forever meaning to get the perfect colour. Oh, being in the middle of 100 projects is like my life. Usually mine's are work in progresses, so... <laughs> But yeah, and okay, yeah, one of my favorite parts about this book was like, obviously the BDSM, you know me, you knew I was going <laughs> to talk about this. I just, I think that the kink negotiation that happened was really great. And I liked how they talked about what they liked, what they didn't like, that they established a safe word. And it was like very, it was very consensual and like heavy on the consent, which I don't see outside of like actual like bdsm eroticas yeah it was a just a really good discussion that they have and i did quite like how vlad despite being the significantly older one um how he's quite new to the concept and how the talk addresses quite a lot of his insecurities around Mm -hmm. sex uh because and it's so sweet because he has a little kind of breakdown when Nathan calls him needy. And it's just because, like, clearly his ex-fiance was, I mean, she was horrible. And she would just, like, mock him for, you know, liking being a submissive. And so that he was able to just kind of be open and free about what he wanted with Nathan. And Nathan was just totally on board with everything and, like, super patient with all of it. Yeah, Nathan is, like, the best dom. I think he's oh, what do you call it? Like the caretaker one? Yeah, I think like because he, he just like taking care of people. Like he, he says that like, he gets off on what on other people getting off. Yeah, I just that is my favorite kind of dom to read about. But also you mentioned Elizabeth and I just want to say one of the like kind of best moments of this book is when Vlad kicked out Elizabeth. That was glorious. I love that because Elizabeth, she's just this like horrible B word throughout the whole thing. You got me to say the F word last time. I'm not going to say the B word. I don't say that word. I'll say it. She's a massive bitch. Yes, thank you for fulfilling my vocabulary. Or, yeah, but she she was horrible. She's garbage to Rhea. Raya, sorry, I don't know how to say that. We should have asked Joy how to pronounce her name before. Um, but yeah, she's like horrible to her. And like, but I'm just gonna say Rhea. Rhea is this like she's so sweet and nice and like oh my god, I hate Elizabeth so freaking much. I know. I mean, not only was she horrible to Vlad, but um, and in fact. How she's horrible to Rhea actually kind of ties into the Count, and it's leads into one of the the more sympathetic scenes that we get with the Count, where Vlad tells him about the rumors um, that 
Elizabeth was spreading about Rhea, about how she was actually the bastard child of the Count and some servant lady, and which was which is physically impossible for Bamba anyway. So it's a pretty stupid rumor to be spreading. But at that point, he, the Count, is like, "Oh, you did the right thing, Vlad." And it was just quite nice seeing the Count, who is taught to have to be like really horrible to Vlad, actually kind of be on his side at that point. I mean, all in the defense of Rhea. So it's quite nice seeing how this really intimidating, quite scary character had this really nice humanizing moment. Yeah, and I also, like, I felt really bad for Vlad for having to, like, be... Wait, were they fiancés or were they married? They weren't married. Um, It was... They were fiancés. They kind of were together and then they were never together. It was, like, they're on and on, on and off again quite a lot. But... um. I yeah, think it's because the way that she was turned is quite, like, when I reread it, I I remembered something, like, bad happened, but the actual details of it where it's at a time when the Count had recently remarried Lady Margaret, Marguerite. I think that's how you pronounce her name. And then, like, she wanted her sons to be turned, but not until they were older. And then a plague comes, and then her sons are dying of the plague. And then Elizabeth, who's, like, at this point mad, at Vlad because he can't turn her because he pulled out his tooth, then just gets turned by the Count. And then Vlad has to take responsibility for it. And he's just like, why? Why even turn her? I know. It's like, it's so horrible. I just, I feel so bad that he was stuck with her for all those years. But yeah, and like her getting kicked out was such a cathartic moment. And also, I just remember that Joy has fanfic of this book which I also want to link oh she does yeah it's like the sugar vladi one. Oh, I have to read that oh right did you want to talk about the parliament scene oh yeah yeah I really enjoyed so there are there are two parliament scenes uh, I read out the first one in which uh, Vlad is trying to get this kind of union space approved it's, it's ultimately uh, rejected, but I really like the debates that they have around it. And it, it kind of introduces this theme of fascism because the empire that they're in is basically like a whole of parliament, just a massive bag of dicks. And you get this one particular MP who is notably like very, oh, um, this country first and we can't be taking care of the refugees and screw them. And then you just, and you can't, you're with Vlad because he's got all these really great ideas to progress the country, you know, the kind of the, the free healthcare, the free education. And I felt like there's such a limited amount of things that he can do with the power that he has. And yet it's so clear that he has like the right ideas and things would be great if, you know, he was the guy in charge. And I also really enjoyed there's a little kind of thing he thinks of himself where this one person's like, oh, so I really like, you know, this idea that you've got. He's like, well, it's not my idea. You're just the only person that will listen. You just listen to me about it. It was like other people's idea, but you will ignore those other people. Is that like how Parliament actually is? Yes. I mean, <laughs> currently, oh, don't. There's been things going on in our Parliament at the moment. I won't go into a rant, but yeah, it's pretty accurate. <laughs> um, I also had to, when we were talking about the Elizabeth scene, 
the reason why she gets kicked out is because she pours blood on Kitty Collins. And I just don't really think so. I have to think that the, the Collins family are some kind of nod to Pride and Prejudice. Because it's too much of a coincidence not to be with their surname being Collins and them having like so many girls and two of them being called Kitty and Lydia. So I just, I really want to know if that was an actual nod to Pride and Prejudice. Or if you should send that question into author's Q&A yes. because I want to know too. I definitely had that thought while I was reading it. It's like, cutie. And then it had like that mom character. And I really loved it when she's like, stand attention, girls. But I thought Kitty was really sweet. Yeah, and oh, I feel so bad for her for what Elizabeth did. Yeah, but then she got a friend out of it. So, you know, it was like a blessing in disguise. <laughs> it's a really dresses. bloody disguise. <laughs> I don't know, what's a little blood in the way of friendship that lasts for <laughs> centuries? It's fine. Yeah. Everything is fine. I know we're kind of jumping around a bit, but I just want to say that, like, I really like the part when Ursula got introduced to Nathan um, at the home. And then, like, he he likes her a lot but then he's also like oh no but i like Vlad too but it's not this big issue at all like there's a tiny bit of angst but then they meet Vlad and Ursula is like oh yeah i like that you two are together and i don't know i like the way that it's resolved really quickly without like problems of jealousy or miscommunication because that's something i encounter in a lot of poly books that bothers me and I just didn't have that problem here at all I can't wait for book two when the OT really gets established and I yeah yeah I really enjoyed that too especially when Nathan's thinking like oh it would be like so hot to see them kissing each other and I just want to see Ursula touch Vlad and he's like well I don't feel jealous like at all I just want to see them together it's really cute I also quite liked how all of them they kind of low-key panic when they're first attracted to each other. Just like, oh, God, I'm so screwed. This person's so pretty. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't, like, really relate to that or anything, <laughs> but I, I, I like the dramatic, like, oh, no moments as well. Like, <laughs> Darn you for being attractive. Why? And I also, I I like the overall plot that looks like it's probably going to span across all five books. I think it's currently five books, right? Oh, is or it? Or it's 500k, which, you know, I would have read a 500k book. The printing cost would have probably been enormous, <laughs> but I would have read the 500k book. It's like a fanfic. I've read 500k fanfic. Well, how many pages is that? Probably like 600 or something. I don't know. It's like 300 words per page, per print page. Because I just know that there's this one fantasy book that is so big, it has to be printed in two books. I did the math and it's 1,667 pages. Okay, that is it. I mean, I'll happily read it. the printing cost would have been insane, so it's a good thing that it's broken up into more books. I think I quite I like the the structure of this first time of the first one where we get um a lot of t- uh, time and when they're in peace and they're just kind of developing their relationship and the kind of world ending plot 
it doesn't really kind of come forth till near the end. And even when it, it does kind of come in, they, you know, Vladimir makes a point that they kind of save the world quietly. There's no big dramatic battle. It was just three people in a library killing some gross fungus. That's quite yeah, a- I have been... I've been afraid that it would end in a cliffhanger or something, but it really didn't. There's still this bigger plot that has to be addressed, but I think it resolves quite nicely on its own. So it's just kind of a, a fairly chill book for the most, which I enjoyed. I enjoyed kind of just seeing the island of Erie and also seeing Nathan's family and then just getting that bit of dramatic. Like, so you know it's going to turn into a bigger thing, but I like that it's not immediately dark depressing the world is going to end now you got some nice balls in there yeah it was very fluffy i like that i'm not a big angsty person if it's going to be an angsty read i have to i have to prepare myself i have to meditate for like three hours beforehand (laughs) so it doesn't make me cry and it still makes me cry anyway i hear that book too apparently it's going to have some angsty moments based on Joy's Tumblr, I am scared. <laughs> I'm excited. But we've got a good dose You're, of fluff here. I know, you just, you just like all the angsty sadness. Oh, hi, Joy, welcome to our discussion on your book. Yeah, um, right, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to book two, even if it's angsty and makes me cry, so I guess that's why you'll enjoy it, Ella. <laughs> yeah. And you'll probably get me in your DMs. Like, it's just going to be a bunch of crying emojis. Or a bunch of, like, <laughs> I don't know, a bunch of exclamation marks if it's something good. If it's something good, I usually am too engrossed to DM about it because I'm just like, show me what happens next. Show me what happens next. I want to see more. Uh, same. I don't want to stop for anything. Even brushing my teeth, that will pop up my Kindle. Yeah, it's like the part where your Kindle runs out of battery and you have to stop to go plug it in. Oh, the absolute yeah. worst. But we're talking about book one, not what might happen in book two. So I don't know. I I like. I also really like the scene with Ursula where she she's such badass in that moment in the um, forest with Nathan. And she reveals that she's not human, and he's just, what are you? That was such a brilliant moment, because I think, like, it was a mystery as to what Ursula was in the beginning. So I really like that big reveal. Yeah, I also have to point out that Ursula is a terrible liar. <laughs> she is there for thousands of years. <laughs> and her plan is to, is to say that some pine needles are dog roses, <laughs> and that she can't, like... Is it? So yeah, when she chant, when she's trying to convince Vlad to look at the poison fungus. She's like, alright, yeah, Nathan's mum has got some dog roses. And it's a bit sick, so can you look at it? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just really- yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe she used to have the ability to, like, just convince people to believe what she says. Oh, yeah, she does have or, charm. Maybe that's it, is that she's just so used to being able to kind of magic people. <laughs> she didn't develop a good lying skill. Get- you don't become a better liar with age. It's I don't know. I'm I'm actually kind of reminded of um 
have you ever seen Leverage? It's this TV show where like a bunch of modern day Robin Hoods basically. But one of the characters is Sophie and she's a grifter, but she can't act to save her life. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so Joy just said, in her defense, the closer <laughs> together all three of them are, the fewer brain cells they share. And now I'm reminded of the whole one brain cell thing between the three of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because um, they they all just kind of keep pining and mooning over each other, especially Vlad and Nathan. They, they spent about three months just being like, oh no, I like them so much, but they can't possibly like me back. You know, I think the... I'm not sure where when they get together in the book, but it has to be like about halfway through at the very least, even though they're spending so much time together. But I really like the pining. Like the whole oh not actually unrequited love, but we think it's unrequited love. It's such a thing for me. I love it. Yeah, and then it's also kinda of taps into Vlad's insecurities. But it it was kind of heartbreaking to read that. Um and he was like, oh, I'm going to like enjoy this like, bit of happiness while I have it, because I know it's not going to last. And then when they separate, and when Nathan goes back home, Vlad is all like, nervous nervous that uh, Nathan will come to his senses and not want to be with her anymore, and is so relieved that Nathan missed him and like, still wants to be with him. And I was like, oh, of course. So, he's just like affection-starved. I love that in a character. I just want to give him a hug. He also, yeah, he's also kind of touch-starved because, you know, everything that's happening. So, I'm going back to the smut again because, of <laughs> course, I am. But, yeah, it's all really cute. I loved it. I think it was just overall one of the really sweet reads out there where you get a bunch of cute characters, some assholes who really need to get a kick in the butt, and then, like, yeah. And then oh. I've been trying to like stop my swearing, and I just realized they said <laughs> asshole on. No, but anyway. Oh no, yeah, I so don't consider that a swear word. Three. That's like a body part. Technically, they're all body parts. Oh, uh, true. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Overall, really sweet read. Really great characters. I think I'm looking forward to seeing what the overall like meta plot is going to be. But it's a very good contain story along here and I loved all of it and talking of characters that we want to punch in the face I have to rag on Miles Nathan's brother brother, who is just one of the worst people because he, he has this awful moment where he's sat next to Ursula and he's all like oh where are you from and she says I can't p- remember the country name nor pronounce it she's like oh I'm from this country he's like oh no no where are you really from? And you just like, oh, I would have just wanted to punch it. Yeah, high key punchable. Yeah. Okay, I get the um, where are you really from question a lot, and it's it's so irritating. It literally just happened to me. Oh wait, it's already April, so it was kind of a long time ago, but it happened to me back in February, and I just like because I'm I'm like Asian. American, but people don't really realize the American part. So then when they ask me, it's always like, where are you from? And then I tell them, oh, I'm originally from the state. And then they're like, okay, where were you from before this? 
And I was like, no, I grew up in the state. And they're like, okay, where are your parents from? And I'm like, they're also in the state. And then they're like, okay, but where is your ancestry? Like, they just really want to know. And it's so irritating. And I don't get why. Like, if you've asked someone that question and they give you, oh, I'm from this country, why pursue it further? What? Why are you so desperate to know? It's none of your business. Yeah, I'm not as aggressive about this as my sister, but when she gets asked the question, when they start, she, like, asking about your ancestry, she goes, well, I don't know, they're dead, I can't ask them. <laughs> Do you want to dig out their graves? Do a seance? Yeah, it's like, oh, but anyway, that's also, we keep getting sidetracked in this. This is what happens when we don't have a good script. So I just want to say for the listeners out there, Ella really pulled her weight in writing our semi-script <laughs> for this. And basically what I, I did, did I, I'm a freeloader. I reread the book and then basically live commentated my reaction in the Google Doc. Yeah. I told Ella I was going to read the book and then I didn't. <laughs> Whoops. But it is on the list of things I want to reread. But there's just so much to read. But I'm going to reread it when book two comes out so I can be prepared. Also, I think the last thing. <laughs> Sorry. But Joy has just said that that's a bad moment, which, yeah, it totally is. Yeah, I relate to bad so much. Everything from like the. the unfinished ceiling for 200 years that would be me i would actually i would probably like do the ceiling and then delete the ceiling just so i could <laughs> stop thinking about it how would you delete a ceiling i don't know but you I'll paint it white it that is the ultimate painting delete uh but yeah i i love that vlad had awful handwriting and what that is the basis of the stereotype of why doctors have bad handwriting <laughs> And as someone with terrible handwriting, I love me. That's that is a great representation for me, because I have a thing where like I work in a bookshop, and I am banned from writing out uh, the blind book dates because of how bad my handwriting is. I think my handwriting is just getting worse over time. I I still one hundred percent believe that doctors have that stereotype of having bad handwriting because they can't spell any of the meds they're prescribing. <laughs> it's that's the that's the truth. They're all like stupid weird names. I mean, what I don't get why why they need to be unnecessarily complicated. And you know, there's like two names for everything. There's the official scientific name or whatever, and then there's the brand name, like. Oh, God. Like, Tylenol versus, or I think it's Tylenol, like, um, paracetamol, or I don't even know how you're going to say it in the UK. We, or we is have, that ibuprofen? We have paracetamol and ibuprofen are kind of two, they're they basically the same thing, uh, but they're two separate. Because I don't, I, I always refuse to get, like, Nurofen, which is, like, the branded ibuprofen, because it's the same thing, but, like, pounds more expensive it's like i will spend 50p on the supermarket yeah, super I, yeah I, anyway that, that's we got off topic again <laughs> but someone also just spent the chasperinolactone which i actually know what that one is i think it's like a like a mineral corticoid antagonist but yeah 
people names. But anyway, I think that's why doctors have bad handwriting. I mean, I I refuse to ever like say like write out ibuprofen or paracetamol up. I have no idea how to spell that. I am dyslexic. I will just write painkillers. Yeah, I just no. I can't. There's some that I can't even say. I mean, I can't honestly. I can't say any of them. But anyway, I I think um back to the book um next time I will write a script. Anyway, so I think that the reveal that. So in the beginning, Ursula's going around looking for the ancestral trees because they're dying and they're, they're infested with this rot. And then it gets revealed later that like they're actually they who became the trees. And I just, I thought that was really sad. It was a sad moment for me. Oh, yes. That was because she's just like safeguarding her friends, but then her friends are being killed by this black fungus, and she feels so guilty for not saving them. Ah, oh, that that broke my heart. Yeah, and I is she the last of her kind? Yeah, because she basically didn't. So they they make a pact with fate, I believe, to. Um, give up their immortality and they become trees and that's like how they defeat the the evil tyrant whose name I have forgotten. Uh, that's how the trees like keep him imprisoned but then she decides not to do that because she know that there needed to be someone around to take care of the trees so she's just been like with her companion but not with her fae friends Thousands of years. Sad. I am gonna cry. Everything makes me cry. I'm actually like my nose is running a little because I'm sad. This is, but I won't say for people who really can't stay angsty stuff. I did not cry while reading this book. So like, if anyone just like is like me and can't tolerate sadness, this is the book for you. I also thought it was really great how there was just a list of all the Patreon people in the end who supported Joy and this book over time because that was like just really sweet. Yeah, I was going through that and I was amazed at how many people were there. I was like, and it was just so great to see that. I did not get go all the way to the end of the book but I think I see what you're talking about now where the short story is there. Have you just found it? I just found it. No, it's because I have my own copy so after I finished it I went to my like the other copy of it. Um, yeah. I just found it. Um, yeah. Anyway. I think we've covered everything. Everything that I'd written down. So just to summarize, read this book. It's fun. It's great. The poly is amazing. And then you get like to get anticipated for book two, which I think is when the true OT3 is going to happen, hopefully. <laughs> and you get vampires with sexy fangs, which is always a plus. Okay, Joy has said yes. OT3 and book two, so yay! But also, I really just like the whole Nathan Vlad development in book one because I'm I'm also a really big MM reader, and I just 
everything. I like romance. So lots of romance, lots of vampires. Though I think, like, don't they fire off the fangs for the vampires in this one? So they can't Yeah, well, it's humans? like, uh, it tends to be, they t- well, some of them cap them with, like, I think uh, Elizabeth has, like, diamond-capped fangs. Uh, some do gold. But I think the Count is the only one who just, like, properly grows them out just to be as terrifying as he can be. Okay, Joy just said it would have been 1,027 pages in print, which, holy crap, <laughs> not like a textbook. Yeah. I mean, I would read it, but it would be really I think that's like the heavy. size of War and Peace. But, okay, you, you know how I feel about, like, actual things fighting people, though. We talked about that in the server and the nerve damage. <laughs> I was thinking this, that when I read it. <laughs> Yeah, so basically, uh, Eliza, or Alicia, cottoned me on to that. If vampires were real, and they had fangs, and they actually bit people, they would probably just paralyze them by biting through their nerves, which is not a sexy thing to think about. So I believe that it doesn't exist. (laughs) Nerves aren't a thing. Yeah, I mean, I also ruined beards for everyone, but yeah. (laughs) And we got distracted again. Yeah, your mods are not exactly organized. They have the attention of, I don't know, something <laughs> with a really short attention span. Um, your mod, at least this one, also has like a very expansive vocabulary, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> but yeah, read this book. There are vampires, werewolves. Would you say it's steampunk? Because I... I know there were some references to using steam for technology, but I didn't really think it was steampunk. But anyway, just... I feel like I don't know enough about steampunk. That's the word I'm looking for. It's like a region... Wait, is this region? (laughs) Gaslight. I nearly said gaslight, but gas lamp. There you go. So vampires, werewolves, fey, OT3s, cute moments, a B-word person who's like rude to everyone but gets her like gets justice <laughs> yeah great book and how do we normally close these ella uh thank you to everyone who joined we don't normally get people listening to us when we when we don't have the author with us so thank you for listening apologies for the rambles i will edit them out when i release the recording <laughs> Yes. Thank yeah, you the doing. recordings sound like the recordings make us actually sound like we know what we're doing. We really don't. Well, <laughs> Ellen knows what she's doing. I can't speak for her, but I really don't. Anyway, we'll be doing the giveaway draw now shortly. So thank you everyone for listening to us ramble. We love this book and we love you for joining us. Thank you. Bye. Bye.